The Miami Dolphins have acquired wide receiver Chase Claypool from the Chicago Bears and are game planning the New York Giants here today on this episode of Locked on Dolphins. You are Locked on Dolphins, your daily Miami Dolphins podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Oh, my Miami. Welcome to another episode of Locked On Dolphins. It's your team every day. You're on the Locked On Network. I'm your host, Kyle Krabs, a lifelong Miami Dolphins fan, host of Locked On Dolphins, co-host of Locked On NFL Scouting, fighter shows on YouTube, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. Tip of the cap to our everydayers. We don't just say it, we live it here on the Locked On Network. It is your team every day. Today's episode is brought to you by Prize Picks, the easiest and most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. Go to prizepicks.com slash locked on NFL and use code locked on NFL in all lowercase for a first deposit match of up to $100. So I spent early this morning and late this morning uh, and early this afternoon grinding the tape on the New York Giants, getting ready to put together. Uh, the formal proposal of what my game plan to, would look like to beat the Giants. Uh, the Dolphins looking to run their record to 4-1 and one at the start of the 2023 season. And then the Dolphins do what the Dolphins do, which is what they turned over a stone looking for an acorn. And the Dolphins came out courtesy of uh, a number of premium sources across uh, the NFL scape that the Dolphins were trading a 2025 sixth round pick uh, to the Chicago Bears for Chase Claypool and a 2025 seventh round pick. So Chase Claypool, if you're not familiar or initiated as a player who came out of the University of Notre Dame was the 49th overall selection in the 2020 NFL draft by the Pittsburgh Steelers. Had been a very productive player for Pittsburgh ac across the course of his first two seasons in Pittsburgh. Uh, kind of wore out his welcome there. Last year was traded to the Bears for the 32nd overall pick at the trade deadline. And literally less than a year later is traded for a future 6th and 7th round pick swap to the Dolphins. Well, I think Chase Claypool is a player who, from a overlap of skills perspective, makes some sense. We're going to talk about Chase Claypool, my thoughts on Chase Claypool, why this is a player who uh, I think there's a reason why the team did this, while also acknowledging kind of how Chase Claypool has come to be in this position. So Chase Claypool was a very, very, very impressive pre-draft process uh, athlete and tester. And that's the first thing that stands out about him. He came through the pre-draft process as a legitimate six foot four wide receiver who weighed about 230 pounds. And he's currently listed on uh, pro football reference at six foot four, 238 pounds. His mock draftable chart, his, his athletic testing, it's through the roof. 4.42 second 40 yard dash at 238 pounds. 40 and a half inch vertical jump, 238 pounds. A 10 foot six standing broad jump, which is 80th percentile of all wide receivers to come through the NFL combine since like 2000 at 238 pounds. As a matter of fact, from a 
uh, size perspective, he's 91st percentile in height. He's 98th percentile in weight. His uh, arm length is 65th percentile, 32 and a half inches, so very large catch radius. 82nd percentile in 40-yard dash, 93rd percentile in vertical jump, 80th percentile in standing broad jump, and 83rd percentile in bench press reps. So um, checks a lot of boxes athletically, and that's how you end up getting drafted 49th overall. And then sure enough, his rookie season, Pittsburgh targets him 109 times. Uh, he's a down-the-field threat. They manufactured him some touches in the red zone. He finishes the season with 11 total touchdowns as a rookie just short of 900 yards from scrimmage. The following season, he gets one additional touch. He has 956 yards, but the touchdowns go from 11 to 2. Here's what I would say about the skill set and how it overlaps. And then I'll share what why I, I am still, in spite of the overlap, uh, kind of lukewarm on the idea of Chase Claypool. I think the idea of Chase Claypool is that this is a vertical, contested catch, jump ball target mixed with a height, weight, speed athlete for manufactured touches, mixed with somebody who, when motivated, can absolutely throw his weight around and demoralize you with what he brings to the table uh, from a physicality perspective. And the Dolphins, their best blocking wide receiver is probably River Craycraft, and he's on injured reserve with whatever shoulder injury he's dealing with. And the team is looking at potentially missing Eric Ezukama, who's on the non-football injury list uh, for an extended period of time. I get why there wasn't a desire to acquire a player. And at the end of the day, for a $2 million salary for the rest of this year, to bring him in and take this physical talent that is so painfully obvious and apparent, which is why you have teams that are still ready to, to take a shot in the dart and flip over a stone and look for an acorn. It makes sense. Because I think you think about what Robbie Chosen brings to the Dolphins offense as a vertical plane receiver. Chase Claypool can do the same things, but he's supersized versus Robbie Chosen. He should, in theory, be a better blocker than Robbie Chosen. He should, in theory, be the best blocker on the team at the wide receiver position. Now, whether or not that actually manifests and come to itself is a different story because why is this super athletic player who's still on a rookie contract and has all the physical gifts that he does on his third team in the last 12 months? And it's because Chase Claypool has kind of worn out his welcome at the stops that he has been. So the, the question for Miami is, how are you going to properly ignite Chase Claypool. And that is up to Mike McDaniel and Wes Welker and the leadership of that room and Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddell uh, to get the best version of this player. And if you get the best version of Chase Claypool, he will easily be worth the $2 million he'll get paid the rest of the way and easily be worth the 20 spots to 10 spots to five spots or whatever the difference is between a 2025 sixth round pick and a 2025 seventh round pick for Chicago Bears team that, quite frankly, is awful. In 18 months when those draft picks come around. So you didn't really pay anything to get them. Do I have any confidence that the the switch is going to flip back and that you're going to get that version of Chase Claypool? No. But 
You're in a team that has high expectations, that expects to compete and contend this year. He's in a contract year. He's going to be motivated to perform well. Uh, I think he can bring physical attributes that would make sense within certain roles of the Dolphins offense. So if you saw my immediate social media reaction to the trade, I didn't love it. Uh, I'm not super enthused about it, but relative to the cost and the risk and the upside, it makes sense. It sure, sure it makes sense. And we'll see what Chase Claypool does with this opportunity. But one thing that I do know is based off of what Chase Claypool's end of tenure in Pittsburgh looked like and what his end of tenure in Chicago looks like, in which he was asked to stay home from the facility because of the distraction. And no less than a week ago, he was asked by media at his locker in the locker room if the Bears were implementing his skill set to the best of his ability. And he says no. And they promptly told him to kick rocks and stay home. And then they traded him less than a week later. You only get so many cracks, right? It's three strikes and you're out. I'm not saying it's three strikes for Chase Claypool. And if it doesn't work well in Miami, he'll never get another shot again. But just the proverbial baseball, like you, you could take a few strikes. He's taken a few strikes. So I'm really interested to see how he responds to the opportunity that is now at hand in a wide receiver room that beyond probably the top three guys being Hill, Waddle, and Braxton Berrios, how quickly can he learn assignments? How quickly can he make an impact? The Dolphins very clearly seem to think that he's somebody worth rolling the dice on. We're going to shift gears to start talking about this game plan to beat the New York Giants, which was originally what this whole show was going to be about. That's next year on this episode of Locked on Dolphins. But before we go any further on the program, I'm going to tell you about our friends over at Bird Dogs. I'm a big-time subscriber of the idea that you got to look good to play good, and Bird Dogs is seriously cut from the same cloth. Bird Dogs stretch khaki shorts are designed to fit slimmer through the thigh and leg to give you a truly sculpted look. Their shorts do the exact same thing as Lululemon, but way better because they fixed the issue that many regular shorts have, which is stuffy, restrictive cotton. Bird Dogs fixed the issue by inventing cloud knit fabric that looks just like khaki, but stretches so you get a slimmer fit without having to sacrifice movement. Bird Dogs also uses anti-stick sweat wicking material to keep you cool and dry all day long. Go to birddogs.com slash LockedOnNFL or enter promo code LockedOnNFL at checkout for a free Bird Dogs water bottle with your order. That's birddogs.com slash LockedOnNFL for a free water bottle at checkout. You won't want to take your Bird Dogs off. We promise you. So let's talk about the Giants. And we checked the tape. We did the coach's film of uh, the Sunday Monday Night Football debacle. Against Seattle, I think is probably the best way to phrase it. But the Giants got their butts kicked. And the Giants are going to be down a number of starters uh, up front on line of scrimmage offensively. But when the Giants had the ball, here's what I kind of noticed and noted and observed about how they tried to move the football. You are always going to have the quarterback run game element present with Daniel Jones. He's a plus athlete at the quarterback position. He can run. He has enough size that he's capable of falling forward and maximizing yardage. The Giants pair that with a lot of gap run schemes, or at least they did against Seattle. But the problem with that 
is they don't have bodies that move the line of scrimmage. And they're, they're maulers, theoretically, or Andrew Thomas, who does not sound like he's going to play in this game on Sunday against Miami. And in theory, it would be Evan Neal, the other offensive tackle, who is six foot seven, 340 pounds, top 10 pick. But the light bulb just has not come on yet for Evan Neal. The end result of what you end up with is a lot of traffic, congestion, some penetration, pullers that can't hit defenders with the proper leverage, defenders with disadvantageous leverage that can work across the face of blockers and still win at the point of attack. There's just not a lot of stability with the players that they're playing with and a lot of the strengths that they are supposed to have as a football team are mismatched with the talent that they currently have available. The uh, guard position is not capable of consistently churning and driving defenders for the Dolphins. So your expectation is you, you if you don't win your one-on-one matchups up front, I don't really know what to tell you. Everything that the Dolphins offense or defense in theory with Vic Fangio is supposed to be all the things that we've alluded to with light box counts and being able to defend the run at a half-man disadvantage. Like, if you can't execute it now, I don't know when you're going to. But with the quarterback run game, it does give them an extra hat in the box, so it's something to be mindful of. In the passing game, the Giants try to implement a lot of quick game because they understand they can't block for an extended period of time for Daniel Jones. But Daniel Jones himself, you can feel that he doesn't trust what's going on around him. He does not trust his pocket. You see him turning down reads to get off his spot and move. You see him bailing out of clean pockets you see him taking his eyes down when he feels pressure and missing receivers significantly open. The Giants will try to run a lot of vertical stuff up the field and take quick manufactured throws that turn into punt return left or punt return right. They're not doing a lot of drop back passing because they're not having the consistency and protection to execute it at a high level. So if I'm the Dolphins, we're zone heavy this week. Not, not a huge surprise. Uh, I'm probably playing cover three. And I would even be so bold as to say that I would probably get out of my tendencies a little bit. And I'd probably go three deep and three under and rush five uh, often. Uh, Seattle kind of smelled blood in the water with the Giants offensive line. Uh, force Daniel Jones to have to accurately diagnose pre-snap, force Daniel Jones to work through progressions. And even when he did work through progressions, what stands out to what stood out to me against the Giants, uh, in, in, or what stood out to me with the Giants against the Seahawks, is even in the progression passing, when you went quick game, the chemistry really wasn't there. When the receiver sits down, whether the receiver trickles away from a defender once he has sat down or if he just sits static, the placement of the throws from Daniel Jones, it's not efficient right now. Everything feels uncoordinated and out of sync. So I, as the Dolphins, 
while you could, in theory, sit back and play passive and rush four and cover with seven and rally to the football and play zone and tackle in space, I would want to get this defense back on the horse and I would want to dictate terms and I would want to create chaos and I would want to manufacture plus plays for the defense. So I would expect you'll see some of the same, these swing routes from the backfield or manufactured targets and touches to Paris Campbell or Wondell Robinson kind of get their guys the ball in space and hope that they can create after the catch. I want to force those to be difficult completions because everything else feels like a difficult completion. I don't sit here and rush four and say, oh, we'll play games up front and give Daniel Jones a chance to get off his spot and then scramble if, if we're, we're vacating space based on route distribution because he converted a number of, of first downs utilizing his legs because he is a good athlete and, and it was on non-run calls for the quarterback. So I would want to try to rush with the intent of creating chaos and miscommunications and bad throws. And that, you know, you, you probably go into just about any game that you play and say, yeah, I think that's probably a good place to start for building a game plan. But I would blitz much more. And I think you reflect on what the Dolphins did against New England. And I think that overlap is going to be there. And if it, it's not, I think it should be. We'll see what they ultimately end up cooking up. But that's where I would start as far as beating the Giants. We'll see if Saquon Barkley is able to go uh, as well, but it does not sound like uh, Andrew Thomas or potentially John Michael Schmitz are going to be able to go for this football game. So those are big losses for New York up front. That's what I would put my poet points of emphasis on coming into this game uh, if I were going to beat the Giants. Now, we're going to talk about the defense side of the ball. That is coming up next here on this episode of Locked on Dolphins. Prize Picks is the largest independently owned daily fantasy sports platform in North America. They are the easiest and most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports because it is you against the numbers, you against the against thousands of other people, including pros and sharks. You just pick more or less than two to six player stat projections and watch the winnings roll in. You can win up to 25 times your money by picking six player projections with more or less on their projected stats. You can place your entries in 60 seconds or less so you can get them in quickly and stay up to speed with the action. Go to prizepicks.com slash LockedOnNFL and use code LockedOnNFL for a first deposit match of up to $100. That is prizepicks.com slash LockedOnNFL and use code LockedOnNFL for a first deposit match of up to $100. So, defensively, when the Giants are on the field, Wink Martindale, defensive coordinator, had the cute quote. Um, I actually thought it was very funny. I was asked uh, about defending this Dolphins offense. And he joked that uh, his wife was calling him and, and asking to see how he was sleeping at night. And he said, I was sleeping like a baby. Wake up every two hours and cry and go to the bathroom and, and go back and try to get some more sleep. Uh, compared it to the greatest show on turf. So you just know Kyle Brandt is somewhere screaming into a pillow right now that somebody else heaped some praise in the directions of the Dolphins offense when in reality, the only people that said any of that stuff that he took so much exception to was opposing coaches and uh, his own show. But I digress. Um, Wink Martindale, a lot of blitz heavy uh, history, a lot of man to man. I don't know how much you're 
going to get of that this week just because of the personnel discrepancy that I think does exist with these two teams uh, and what the Dolphins have at their disposal and how the the Giants are going to attempt to defend that. But what I would say is this. uh, I do think this is the week where the misdirection is really going to create a lot of chaos uh, with backfield action, run action, outside run. I would parlay that with uh, probably some boot action. I would look to run some crossers in this game in the event that you do get man coverage. Uh, the, these guys playing runaway, uh, with, if they're able to get inside leverage or win inside and, and run these crossing routes and, and utilize their speed to create chunk gains. I think you could probably test the, the middle of the field defenders for New York quite a bit uh, and do that with misdirection. And then if you can pair that with with boot action in in the pass game and have successfully Waddle and Hill working across the middle of the field, I think you're going to get some big hits in that regard. So that would probably be the place that I start. As a case in point and and re-emphasis, the Giants entering into this week are second in the NFL at blitz rate with 49.6% of their blitzes uh, of their, their defensive calls are blitzes in spite of that. They have four sacks on the season. Their pressure rate is in the bottom 10 in spite of blitzing at the second highest incidence of all teams in the NFL. So is wink going to continue to try to manufacture is he going to give up on pressure altogether is he going to task his interior his interior defensive line with creating chaos i do think straight middle of the field throws may be a challenge because of the interior defensive line duo and their and their ability to push the pocket on you Uh, so i think this is probably a bit more of throws to the hash if you're going to throw middle of the field, maybe 20 plus yards downfield where it's not intermediate, where you got to get it up over the line of scrimmage with a shorter quarterback and Dexter Lawrence, presumably head up on your center or shaded on your center and forcing him to throw over that area of influence that Dexter Lawrence has your intermediate throws. I would guess are going to be up the hashes between the hashes and the numbers as compared to in between the hashes, just because of the barriers that Dexter Lawrence provides. Uh, but I'd use a lot of misdirection. I would try to run outside. I'd run a lot of counter. Some end around. I'd, I'd, I'd bet you see an end around this week. But uh, don't try to test him inside. Because that is where they are strongest. I'm running off tackle and outside. A lot of misdirection. Get the linebackers out of gaps. I'm booting out of that with the crossers in main coverage situations. And if you're going to blitz me, I'm just going to replace the ball with the blitz. Or the blitz with the ball. Until I get you out of blitzing and force you to have to play defense. If you want to keep making life easier and and take players out of coverage and give us more space to attack and throw to, Dolphins can do that too. Uh, This is the game I'm excited to see unfold for Miami, just because there's expectations. I'm eager to see how this team reaches those expectations, and we'll be here after the game to talk about what happens. You can plan on seeing me on your podcast feed, wherever you listen to your favorite podcast, or on the YouTube channel. I'm Kyle Krabs, host of Locked On Dolphins. It is your team every day. I appreciate you guys checking the show. Make it a great rest of your day. Enjoy the college football tomorrow, and I'll talk to you after the Dolphins' week five game against the Giants on Sunday.